have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I've had my uh, drive paved, and uh, it seemed like it didn't bond, and I thought that you'd be the one to call and ask uh, what I should do about it now before I have it paved again. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor, and now Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. But more often than not, when we see something not bonding, it's uh, an issue in the preparation. Either it was too cool when it was laid, or the preparation wasn't quite right for it to bond like it should. But what you're describing to me is something that I don't see very often, just having a driveway come up in large clumps. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Each weekend, Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, is right here answering questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can reach Ken with your questions at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can go to our website and post your questions there at KenTheContractor.com. Along with Ken Patterson, I'm Jabrit. Thanks for joining us this weekend. And also, when you go to our website, we do want to mention, you can listen to podcasts of recent programs or maybe look up some particular home improvement information. It's all available on the line, on the on the web at one spot. That is KenTheContractor.com. Now, most of us don't think of ourselves as being involved in sales. But if you're about to sell your home or you happen to have your home listed for sale right now, you are heavily involved in sales and you have a lot at stake. And some things I want you to realize is there's more to selling your home than simply putting a sign in the front yard or signing an agreement with the realtor. Even though you may have a highly qualified and highly motivated realtor working for you, you are an integral part of this sales team because you make the final decisions on what will fly and what will not when it comes time to not only look at price but also dealing with potential offers that are out in the marketplace. And I want you to recognize this because we just don't think about it, that we there must be a marketing strategy. If we're a salesperson, and you may have never been in sales in your life, but if you're selling your house, you are. But if we are in the process of selling something, there's always marketing associated with that. This is still a very tough economy throughout most of the country right now for selling homes. It is still a buyer's market in the majority of the country, not everywhere, but in the majority of the country. That means that you, the seller, are going to have to know the market. You need to know the price of homes in your neighborhood, what they're selling for. You need to know their condition. You need to have your home properly priced. And if you're in a position where you need to move the home rapidly, you need to be aggressive. And that may mean you need to be a point, half a point, something along those lines, uh, just under the people down the street. But the one thing that you can do without spending a fortune on, and that is maintaining the appearance of your house. To me, that is part of your marketing strategy. There are folks perhaps you're competing with or against that are a block away, two blocks away, a mile away, that have yards that look absolutely like trash. Maybe they have unpainted front doors. They have gutters with weeds growing out of them. Or they have unkept yard uh, landscaping. These are some things you can do yourself that give you a leg up. That is, by itself is part of marketing strategy. How do I create that curb appeal to make my home a little more attractive? Because people will sit today and they'll look at the price on the Internet. They'll talk with their agents so they can see price. Now, if price is comparable to everybody else in your neighborhood, what makes you stand out? This is where you have to put your sales cap on. How can I be more attractive to the person driving by my house so that they want to come in, see the inside of this home, and talk to me or talk to my agent about making a sale? And I want all of you to to remember, again, that you are not 
relying just on your real estate agent. You become part of that team when you sign up with them to sell that house. And there are some of you out there that are selling properties on your own. So you are 100% the sales team. And you're not going to have any outside help in that regard. So as I said, first I want you to know your market. You need to be realistic about your pricing. If you can, you may set the price for what you think the house is worth, but folks, it's only worth what you can get out of it. And if you're asking far more than your current marketplace, you're going to sit there and look at your real estate sign fade. You are not going to bring, bring people in with offers. Make the home attractive, not only in its outward appearance so that it has curb appeal, make the price attractive. Be sure you know your market so that you're not taking low-ball offers from somebody that comes in. You're not leaving money on the table. Your goal is to find that balance between you, the seller, and the buyer that makes you an offer. And the best deal that all of us can have is when we leave the table, we leave the closing table, and the buyer and the seller are both smiling and saying, I made a good deal. So your job in sales is to find that balance where you're happy, even if you're backing off your price, if you're throwing in some help with the closing cost, uh, maybe with the real estate fees, anything else you may have to throw in, and they get up and they're happy because the price was reduced a little bit from where you started perhaps, or without reducing the price, maybe there were a few things thrown in that were not originally in the offer. Maybe you left the washer and dryer behind, or how about that refrigerator freezer? Some things that would be important to your buyer that to you is not a deal killer, but it makes it easy and quick for them to move in. So I want you to think a little bit about all of these items if you're in the marketplace today because it is a buyer's market and you can help yourself. You know, the market, you've bought and sold properties, so you have an, an edge in this particular area. But realistically, assuming that there's a baseline level of knowledge that the folks listening to this show have, how realistic is it that they can sell their home in this market alone without a professional, without a realtor or some assistance? Depends on where they are in our listening environment. There are going to be some markets that they can do well selling it on their own because properties are a little more in demand. As I said earlier, not every place across the country in our listing areas are as depressed as others, and we're coming out of that. So if you're in an area where there's a higher demand, more increase for homes, you're going to have a better chance of selling it. But frankly, I don't recommend trying to sell a home on your own. Now, I've bought and sold a lot of properties, but I will tell you, I engage the services of real estate people because they can do things better, more cost-effective, and more efficient than I can, and they have their ear to the ground on what's going on everywhere. They bring offers to me, they bring opportunities to me, and they give me a chance then to negotiate and decide, do I want to give a little or do I want to sit back and hold out for a while? So it gives me a chance to make decisions but not have to do the day-to-day items that realtors do for you that you typically don't see. This goes on behind the scenes. So I always encourage folks, no matter what market they're in, to consider a licensed, qualified realtor in their area. You're going to move the property quicker, and I believe that you're going to find you get a few more dollars out of it than trying to sell it on your own. So in trying to gauge this, if I'm in a neighborhood where there are lots of houses for sale and they've been for sale for a while, I'm probably going to need every edge I can to move this house. Absolutely. Now, if you're in a neighborhood where people are bidding up prices, and that is still going on today, it's hard to believe, but it still happens in select locations around the country, then that might be a different story. But you still need help that you don't know about if you've never sold property before that the real estate professional will bring to the table, and they'll be on your side. They're your advocate. Well, you know, there is one such market. And it is in and around the nation's capital. Figures that were released recently, homes in and around Washington, D.C., are now selling at levels higher 
than when the subprime thing went into the dumper. Especially those areas that are in high demand around metro areas, walking distance, where you're not driving and parking your vehicle. We're still seeing in those markets and some other bigger cities, New York's another example, where space is at a premium, that prices are not only coming in at what they're being asked for, but they're being bid up, which we saw constantly back in 0405, but not today across the country. If you'd like to join us and have a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, you can reach us at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com. Coming up this hour on this edition of Ken the Contractor, in about an hour we'll bring you our app of the week, half hour I should say, and it'll deal with gardening tips this week. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about some green cleaning options you have. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You have a question about your home inside or out, you can email questions to Ken at KenTheContractor.com, or you can also dial in and join us. You can reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. And don't forget, you can friend us on Facebook, Ken the Contractor, and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. And let's go to the phones right now. And joining us next is Nancy. She listens to our program on WEEU in Reading. Hi, Nancy. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, Ken. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, good. I appreciate your call. Good to hear from you. How can we help you today? Okay, there was an article in the paper recently about attic fall that is stapled under the roof rafters on top of your insulation to help decrease um, the loss of heat in your attic and then, of course, through your uh, ceiling floor. What is your opinion of that? That has come on big time in the last few years across the country, especially up and down the East Coast. And I would tell you that I've recommended it to others, and I would recommend it to you. It's been, it has been beneficial in the, the the first couple of years of it. I don't think they did one a good marketing job, but two, I'm not sure that the the earlier systems were what they are today. Basically, this is a foil system, and you've touched on that that attaches to the bottom side of the top cord of your trusses. And I want to explain this not only for your benefit, I think you know this, but for those listening to us. And what it does is prevent the heat from building up inside the attic space and then working against the ceiling inside your condition space. So essentially you have a much cooler in the summertime or warmer in the wintertime attic area, which is beneficial in terms of energy cost. Most of us have used aluminum foil in cooking, whether it's in our kitchen, campfires, wherever the case may be. And we understand that aluminum foil may hold in heat. It may prevent heat. In some cases, we put it on windows from getting in. The effect is very much the same. So for that reason, it's been successful. It's highly marketed today. There are more and more companies installing this. There are companies, Nancy, that will also, before you buy, will run the numbers based on your current energy cost, the cost of installing the foil, and then give you a payback period. I've known one company that is a, a national uh, franchise company that will actually give you some minimum guarantees that you will be saving on your operating costs. So if you're going to consider this, I'd suggest you get with one of those that will put these things in writing. Now, they're not going to tell you in that guarantee that we, we promise you're going to save X. They're going to tell you why. They're going to tell you a lesser amount than their numbers actually would reveal to them because there can be variables. But if you're going to do this, I'd get at least three quotes and I'd be talking to people that are experienced at it, that have been doing it for several years, not somebody that's just started out, and then one of the companies that can provide you with energy cost savings so that you can accurately determine you're going to spend $1,000 to install this, but you can expect to pay, and I'm pulling these numbers out of the air, but you can expect to save, let's say, $300 a year, $400 a year, whatever it is in energy cost, so that you've got a quick payback. 
it is and it can be, depending on how we live in our homes, a fairly quick payback period. So the bottom line is I support the product. Okay. I have R19 right now, and I don't know. This was put in quite a few years ago. Uh, so, and it's, what, what's, what does the six and a quarter mean? It's six and a quarter inches thick? Yeah, it should be the thickness that's there. But an R19 for attic insulation is well below any current code up and down the East Coast. Okay, and, like I said, it's been put in a long time ago. Yeah, and, and in its day, if that goes back to the 70s, for example, that was considered pretty good. When they started enforcing or requiring at least building codes in newer homes, R19 in much of the country was considered great because homes prior to that had no insulation in them at all. You know, in the right. 50s, 60s, even the early 70s, most of us didn't think much about insulation. And until we hit that oil crisis, then all of a sudden all bets were off because energy costs were very much on the forefront of our, our minds. But before that, we didn't think about insulating anything. So R19 was a good insulation for its day. In the part of the country you're living in, your, your building code likely requires at least an R38 if you were building a new home. Right. Well, the house was built in the 50s, and so, it, like you said, it didn't have any, any insulation in, and so we put it in, like, quite a few years ago. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll invest in putting uh, this foil up, and it just says uh, basically go over top of the insulation that's there and just staple it in the top, in the ceiling and the, and the uh, sides. I know you're very conscious about energy in your home because of some of your emails and your calls, which we certainly appreciate. One other thing that I'd suggest to you that I think we've talked about in the past, and if you're willing to spend this kind of money now on other insulation, you might want to add a little more to that and consult, uh, call an energy consultant locally. Uh, these are folks similar to home inspectors that can do some thermal imaging of your house and give you a report of where you're losing the greatest amount of energy, and they can make some recommendations of where your money's best spent for your particular type home. Okay. So if you're willing to spend a couple hundred dollars, and that's probably what you should be paying, no more than three, uh, it's going to give you a lot that you can work with going forward, even if this is a big part of the equation, and our ceilings are where we tend to lose the greatest amount of heat, that we're creating in the winter, and we gain heat in the summer. So that might be a good scenario for you to consider. Should you go through the electric company? Would they be a good one, or just, just find uh, independent? They're always a good source. Many power companies in the nation have people that will provide the service, and if they don't, they probably have two, three, or four companies they would recommend that they send out when you're looking for energy surveys. Nancy, we do appreciate your call. Thanks for joining us. Uh, while we're talking insulation, we've got an email here from Wilson in Knoxville, Tennessee. His insulation question is about foundation insulation. Yeah, Wilson is in the process of building a, uh, a, a barn, not a barn, but a workshop, I guess, a 20 by 30 uh, shop. He says, we're ready to start digging out the soil to put in the footers. said, a friend of mine who works in construction is helping. He tells me we may want to consider installing insulation foam board inside the footer and under the slab. said, I'm not familiar with this. Why should I do this, and is it necessary? Thanks for the advice. Well, Wilson, uh, hopefully you'll appreciate what I have to say here. First off, you, you've got, you've told me that you have a heated workshop area. In your region, this may not be required by your building code, but if you're going to heat the space, you're investing energy cost month after month during your cooler months to heat it. First, I'm going to tell you, in your location, you're somewhat marginal in the sense of extreme cold winters, ground freezing, and what I suggest is you check with your local code official, even if it is not required for a building inspection, Ask them what the typical freeze depth is of the soil in your area. The reason we insulate footers or slabs has to do with keeping frozen ground from having that extreme cold work its way through footings, through stem walls, into the soil under our slab, 
freezing that because when it freezes, it expands, and it can cause the slab to actually raise up. And you don't want that to happen. That is not a good situation. So check with your local code officials and determine, is is your freeze area a depth of only 4 to 6 inches in your extreme winters? They may tell you, no, it's 20. There are some areas that our listeners are in where they've got to be down below 2 feet because ground will freeze solid. And if the cold penetrates that stem wall at that point, it can freeze the soil underneath your floor slab and cause structural damage. That's the reason this fellow's talking to you about the insulation. So if your code official says, no, we really don't have an issue here in this area, then it's not going to serve any purpose for you to install it beyond what I've just described. If they tell you, yeah, it would be a good idea, the insulation board may cost you $9, $10 a sheet, take you a few hours to put it down. It's not a big investment. I'd put it in and protect my floor slab and my investment going forward. Wilson, thank you. We do appreciate your email. Don't forget, you have a couple different ways that you can get your questions to. Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, like Wilson, down there in Knoxville, Tennessee. You can email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com. You'll find a lot of useful home improvement information there. And right on the front page of the website, you'll see Ken's important points. And they deal with a lot of the topics that we get our questions most often about from plumbing to siding, buying and selling your home, flooring, ventilation, roofs, fencing, decks, that and much more. It's all available on the web right at Ken's website, kenthecontractor.com, or you can give us a call. You can always reach Ken at this number, 800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. Quick break and back with more right after this. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Each weekend at this time, Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, is right here answering questions that are important to today's homeowner. If you have a question for Ken, you can reach us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or go through our website, KenTheContractor.com. One of the things we try to keep you updated on are some of the latest elements in green building, which is a huge, huge movement uh, within the building industry right now. And this one deals with something pretty basic, Ken. It deals with your cleaning options. Well, it does, and green building includes not only the products that we use, but how we clean those products in and around our home. And I think we all know that people have been using chlorine-based bleach in laundries and so many other areas around the home for the last couple of centuries. But I want to talk briefly about a product called oxygen bleach, and many of you were raised with oxygen bleach. You know what I'm talking about. And for a lot of others out there, you're saying, what in the world is oxygen bleach? Oxygen bleach is both a safe and effective alternative to chlorine-based products, and it can be used in so many applications, not only inside but outside our home as well. It's based chemically on sodium percarbonate, which uses oxygen for both de-staining and deodorizing. Now, those are two key things for us based on the questions that I get. We're looking to remove stains and to deodorize many parts of our home inside and out. So oxygen bleach is, is safe to use not only in all temperatures, but on most fabrics, on colors, both in hard water, soft water, so it doesn't matter what type of water you've got. And it's compatible. This is another key safety item. It's compatible with household cleaners. And we know that chlorine-based bleaches are not. You can actually create toxic gases. So whether you're using it in the laundry, the kitchen, the bathroom, you're moving it outdoors, you're looking at yard items for cleaning uh, patio furniture, picnic tables, or general household items, you're going to find it's a common item not only to purchase at big box stores, at grocery stores. That's why I know many of you are using this. And mix it yourself in different uh, solutions for the product that you're using. But one that has, we've started to see an increase in recent years in the use of oxygen bleach is cleaning our wood decks and the siding on our home to get rid of mold and mildew and to bring back that new look. So this is something for you to think about. It may save you a little time and effort. Oxygen bleach. All right. And speaking of decks, that's what our, our next caller wants to talk about. Ken joins us right now. Hi, Ken. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Okay. I 
In reference to decking, I want to replace the uh, flooring and rails of a wooden deck. And when I go to building material dealers, uh, they mention composite materials. And okay. some even mention uh, the cellular PVC. Okay. If you were going to replace a wooden deck with one of these two um, items, which would you prefer and why? All right, and you've narrowed it down in your mind, and you've looked at the other products in the market, and you're looking at either the cellular PVC or the composite. Those are the only two that you're considering at this stage. Well, I'll consider whatever you would recommend. Well, there are so many others, but they all have different price points, and some have uh, fewer colors, some have more colors, some have different textures, and you have to determine first what you're looking for. Now, if you're simply replacing a pressure-treated board with something that, you just don't want to replace again. It may not matter whether you have a certain color, certain texture, whether it's interlocking, one way or the other. And I'm assuming, am I safe in that, assuming that uh, that is correct? You just want to get rid of the maintenance. That is correct. And I am looking for something that would be in the theater, the mahogany color. Okay. Um, All right. Well, when you look at the the PVC, you're going to be, I think, more limited when it comes to the color and texture then you will be in the composite decking. And there are, there are also more manufacturers, in my experience, of composite-type decks, and they're made of different materials. Uh, but there are more manufacturers offering a greater variety. It doesn't bother you. You're looking for a standard square-edge board, and I'll use that term loosely, or plank, yeah. Yeah, not, a, not an interlocking. Yeah, okay. I. For me, I would probably be looking at the composite, but I would investigate the type of composite decks that are on the marketplace. The PVC has been on the market for a number of years, not as long as composite decks, and there's nothing wrong with them in general, but you're asking me personally which one that I would tend to go with. Yeah. The the composite decks, I think, have been more refined because they've been around for a longer period. I know that typically, as I said, I can find greater variety in both color and in texture. I can find varying warranties. I can find different thicknesses that are out there. And I can find decks that have the same material, deck material, that once I cut the end of the board so that I've got a um, a length that I need, that I don't have a raw edge that's still subject to deterioration. And that was an issue in earlier years with the composite material. Now, the PVC, you're saying, what's wrong with that? There's no wood in it at all. PVC, even though there are special products and treatment, can still fade to some extent, can still break down under UV light. It will perform very well long-term, but you have to be careful with any PVC-based product, not unlike fencing, that you're buying the best product in the sense that it will not deteriorate because not all these products are created the same. So among those two, you still need to do some homework, I think, when you start looking at the dollars. Don't just look at the price point, that this one's cheaper than this one, because you'll run the gamut both in the the, the PVC materials as well as in the composite. But I would be looking for a material that is going to be easy for me to use so I can cut it. I'm not introducing water on the inside. I'm not going to have other issues there. It will suit my personal needs, my style, the color, and it's not going to break down under ultraviolet light. Now, if you yourself were going to put it in, and I don't mean this the way it may sound, but where money's not an issue, durability and maintenance-free is the issues. Which would you put down? Right now, based on the products I've worked with, and I will readily admit there are going to be products out there that I have no experience with, 
I would still be looking at the composite for me. Okay. Thank you so much for your expertise. I appreciate your call, and good luck to you with your decking. Thank you, sir. Yes, Thanks. Sir. Appreciate your call. Don't forget, you can always reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, at 1-800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. All right, we're going to go back to the mailbag here at this point, and uh, Linda has done a lot of homework, and she's considering installing solar panels. She's in Virginia. She says that I'm at the point of making a decision on whether to spend big dollars on solar panels, even with the federal tax credit. Now, she gives me some background, so we're going to get this started. We may have to carry this through in another segment, so I want you to hear the question, and then we can think about it during the break. She said, I have a three-year-old well-insulated home with gas furnace, but the A.C. range and everything else happens to be electric. I have all the information from a reputable contractor and from her power provider, her local power company, about installing solar panels. So she's telling me, I've done my homework. The estimate would cover all of my current reasonably modest electric bills, so she's fairly uh, conservative. And uh, she goes on and says, in the f- yeah, let me jump to this. Even in the future, I may want to purchase an electric car. She said, my motivation for solar is mainly environmental. So there are a lot of things that are important to me in this email, that she's concerned about the environment, she's concerned about her operating cost. She said, I know the system will not have a payback unless uh, I'm in the home for at least 20 years. So she's done some math on this, and she has two questions. Question one, is solar the best option for environmental efficiency? And two, is it better to purchase now or continue waiting for changes in the solar industry? Will the prices continue to come down, and will the technology be better? Let's see what Ken recommends. We'll find out when we continue right here on this edition of Ken the Contractor. And also coming up, we still have our App of the Week. Do you spend a lot of time outdoors gardening? Well, our App of the Week will be something that will be very helpful for you. And don't forget, if you want to keep up to date on the different apps that Ken has recommended, everything from donuts to cleaning stains to if you're out working on a project, you can just go online to our website and just click on to App of the week. We've got our app of the week coming up and Ken's recommendation for Linda. Are solar panels a good buy for her? We'll get Ken's recommendation next. 800-614-2975, a contact number. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Do you have questions about your home, inside or out? KenTheContractor.com is all you need to know. I'm Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Visit KenTheContractor.com for answers to plumbing, Fencing, electrical, roofing, painting, heating, fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember, KenTheContractor.com, where folks come for professional answers. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. If you'd like to join us, you can. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800 614 2975 or email questions and your email questions go to kenthecontractor.com. Now we're working on one of those questions from Linda and she's asking you basically, Ken, solar panels, are they good for her? Right. She says, is solar the best option for environmental efficiency? And her second question is doing it now better than waiting for technology to change down the road. So we've given you the background. We've laid out the uh, general information. Linda, what I want to tell you first off is that solar clearly is gaining traction across this country, but we are still light years behind most of what you will find in the European nation. So the technology is there to make solar energy efficient, to make it smaller, and to make it work in our home. The improved technology will continue to be modified, even though today it's as good as it gets. 
But you can anticipate that in another one, two, three, five years, it will be even better and will cost even less money than today. With that being said, that's true of our cars, of much of our clothing, of our, our electronics and our home. And so if you're in a position to purchase something now and start affecting those savings, I'm going to recommend that you do that. You certainly have done your homework. I'm going to throw just a little wrench into your studies and suggest you look at one more item that you may have, but your email didn't indicate that. And that is, I want you to consider geothermal for heating and cooling and for hot water because you're looking at alternative methods of trying to reduce your operating cost. If you have existing wells on site, if you happen to have a pond on site, you may have some natural means of use of creating geothermal energy for much less money than others that have to drill a series of wells. Today, geothermal systems are also installed using horizontal lines buried in our yard several feet deep and not drilling wells. And there are in your area a number of geothermal experts that you could make inquiry of, talk with them, and see how this plays out against your solar system. But overall, if you determine that you either don't want to consider geothermal or you just uh, have ruled it out altogether, then the solar system for you, I think, is probably going to be a great way to go. You've looked at your payback period. I've crunched some numbers because you've sent me a follow-up email on your cost, which I won't mention on the air, but I've crunched those numbers, and I will assure you that you can save more than what that monthly cost is over the time you anticipate living in this home. I think for you, solar could be a good way to go. If you were in, and I say this for others that are in older homes, if you were in an older home, you're only in a three-year-old home, so you've got a new electric uh, cooling and heating system, but if you or others in an older home and you're thinking about cutting down on operating costs, you may want to consider a solar energy, uh, solar heating and cooling system that Linux is now producing. They revealed it this year at the International Builder Show for the first time that operates on solar, a solar cell by itself for your heating and cooling, and it provides uh, power back to the grid if there's anything left over after your heating and cooling system consumes what's generated. So that is an alternative for others that are looking to replace current uh, heating and cooling central systems, and the, yet you want to save energy. And uh, this is a new unit by Linux. I will anticipate that Carrier Train and others will be on that bandwagon and releasing their own products in the near future. So bottom line, Linda, my recommendation to you, go with the solar. You're in the right frame of mind to do it. You've done your homework. I can see the cash savings for you as you move forward. I think the one thing we should stress, and we've talked about this with a lot of our callers and also emailers, that does not mean that these types of systems will work for everybody. No, and if you're looking to invest a uh, uh, in the thousands of dollars for a solar system and you're going to be in the home one or two, three years, you're thinking it's going to enhance that sales, you're going to get your money back out of it with the cost today, I don't think that's right for you. But, again, I have some additional background information from a follow-up email from Linda. And everything she has sent to me, I certainly would support her moving forward with the solar system. It's going to be right. She's going to see a payback. She's also concerned about the environmental side of it. So I think it's going to satisfy all of her needs, and she'll be pleased with it. All right, time now for our app of the week, and this is for those of you who are gardeners. Yeah, if you're into gardening, and you don't have to be a pro at this, but those of you that are hobby gardeners out there, today's app is simply called Gardening Tips. That's Gardening Tips. It is a free app, at least at this point. Many of these apps that go over so well, they start charging us for later on. But right now, it's a free app. And what it does, it helps you establish that lush outdoor garden through the tips that they have, whether it's flower gardens, you've got herb gardens. Uh, it doesn't really matter. You're dealing with overall landscaping. 
Now, this app not only provides daily tips and information, but it also provides multiple links to articles that are written by experts from around the country. It shows pictures, images, there's audio connections, or there are video contacts. So you're going to find there's an awful lot there that will help you not only understand your garden, everything from fertilizing to watering tips to the type plants and where they may go, but you'll also be able to see this visually. So this app is available to you called Gardening Tips. That'll be posted on our website, KenTheContractor.com. All right, and we got time for one more email from the website. Yeah, we're going to take one that comes to us also out of Virginia, and uh, I'm right there with this particular writer today. He says, I'm getting at the age where getting up on the roof is for younger fellas. Looking to replace now our gutters with some sort of gutter guard system and thought you might have a recommendation as to which system may be superior to others. You know, I wish I could tell you that buying products for our home were very simple. That may be why Henry Ford first came up with the uh, the early Ford version, came in any color you wanted as long as it was black, because it wasn't hard to make a decision. But even gutter guards today are something that you've got to do some research on, and those that are going to be most effective for you are going to be, depend on the environment you live in, the type of trees you have overhanging your house, whether you've got pine needles, whether you have small needles from fir trees, whether you have leaves as large as maple leaves, all of those items can be important. And there are six, I'll say, typical uh, gutter guards that are common in our industry today. And uh, they're a micro mesh. You've got what's called a reverse curve. You've got a brush type. Currently, there's what's a tape on. There's a form, uh, a foam unit that actually sits inside the gutter. And uh, there's also just standard screens. And when you look at the type to be used, as I said, consider the type of debris, the leaves, the small twigs, the limbs that can get in your gutter and determine what works. A mesh may not work because it's going to easily be torn if you happen to have limbs that will fall on your roof and end up in the gutter. You're also not going to be too excited about using the reverse curve if you have a number of pine trees overhanging your house or you get these pine needles because they will roll into the gutter and clog it up underneath the reverse curve. But that's why I can't give you a simple, straightforward answer, not knowing what type of trees you're dealing with in your environment. But what I will tell you is to consider the trees, consider what's falling off of them, and then look at the types that are available in the marketplace. You will also find they run the gamut from pricing, some very economical, some you need to take out a bank loan to have installed, some that are easy for you to access because there's no gutter guard that I'm aware of that absolutely eliminates all maintenance. You're still going to end up with something in that gutter, and you need access periodically to get in there and clean that out. But you're going to find that it's very rare if you buy the right one. So I'm not sure this has given you the direct answer you want, but I've steered you in the right direction. You need to do a little more homework. Send me some more email questions as you narrow it down, and I'll help you make that decision. Well, a couple of years ago, I thought I had... Uh uh, getting onto this idea that would make me an instant millionaire that I'd be buying those, uh, speedboats and private islands. But yeah, but we're heated. still doing radio. It didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. That was, uh, during a, a severe winter, the heated gutter idea, which you later told me they already have. So now I have my new idea. Okay, let's hear this one. And that is self-emptying gutters. I've got to think about this. That's also known as an outdoor shower, isn't it? Self-empty gutters. You're going to go out there and pull a rope. I'll tell you what. I'm going to work okay. on this. You work on it. I'll put in some R&D time. I think there's a market if, if you can perfect it. That's right. We'll work on that, and we'll get back to you boys and girls and see how well I do. I wouldn't hold my breath on that one, though. Yeah, but watch for it. It's a store near you. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. For Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, I'm Joe Britt. Thanks for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking with you next time right here when we bring you another edition of Ken the Contractor.
You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.